First of all, I would like to thank the Ibn Arabi Society and especially Martin and Jane for having invited me. Uh, I came last year to visit them in Oxford Road, which is a center of Ibn Arabi studies in Europe. And uh, I was really delighted by the generosity of Jane who uh, put at my disposal uh, copies of uh, important manuscripts of Ibn Arabi's Tarjuman al-Ashwaq. And so I'm really honored to be among you in such a distinguished society as the Ibn uh, Arabi Society uh, worldwide. Um, uh, just a few words of caution still. Uh, if you find my English awkward, I beg your pardon because uh, it's not my first foreign language, far from that. Uh, since I'm a specialist in Romance languages especially. Uh, so please, I want you to excuse my shortcomings in, in English. And the uh, second thing, uh, you will uh, have uh, a lot of original texts in what follows, uh, because I think uh, we are speaking here not just uh, only about mystical experience and uh, of beauty and so on. Uh, yes, we speak about mystical experience, but we speak about beauty. And uh, beauty is meant also as linguistic beauty, a beauty of poetry, and this is only um, uh, fully appreciate, can only be fully appreciated if you have the original text. So I beg your pardon if uh, there's uh, some, uh, there are some texts which are not in English. So my uh, presentation um, has uh, essentially uh, two parts, uh, the mystic, mystic or three, yes, three parts, the mystical experience and the uh, experience of love, uh, and um, especially the relationship between um, uh, the poetic mode of, of expression and the discourse mode of, of expression. And then in the second part, I will uh, concentrate myself on a poem from the Tarjuman al-Ashwaq, which we will uh, read more closely in a kind of close reading. And the third part uh, should have been devoted to the poem which Jane just has uh, analyzed at the end of her speech. But perhaps we will deepen uh, this aspect uh, this afternoon in the seminar, and then we can uh, have a dispute on the uh, correctness or whatever of the translations. So uh, I start with a, a quotation um, from the Tarjuman, the very first words of the first preface, um, which have already been translated uh, in the speech of Jane in a wonderful manner, so I don't dare to uh, translate it into my poor English. I, I just wanted to have it at the beginning, without knowing that you are speaking about it, uh, because when I started to translate uh, Tarjuman, these were, of course, the first words I had to translate, I had to see. You know? Um, uh, my, by the way, um, in, uh, I, I can uh, tell you that my own translation of the Tarjuman is completed. It has not yet been published. It is in the way of publishing. Uh, and it is the first translation of the whole text, poets, uh, poems, and commentary into German. And it is the second uh, uh, translation into a European language, all in all, uh, which contains the whole text after Maurice Gloton. Gloton's uh, uh, translation into French. So um, that's a little bit the background of it. So uh, I, when, when I started this translation, I was struck by these words. And uh, uh, <clears throat> Jane just has said, uh, this is really uh, bold and striking. And uh, me, uh, as for me, it choked me a lot to read that. Alhamdulillah, Hassanul Faral, Aladi Yohibbul Jamal. God loves beauty. And these very first words, sets a, that's a tone of uh, the whole collection of poems with their prose commentary. Um, this is, of course, well, I, I don't really insist on the rest of it. It has been explained by, by Jane uh, with the insistence on, on this route. Zina wa zayyannahu ja'alama ala al-ardil ajsam. Here is an aspect which has not, perhaps not been uh, underlined um, in, in your uh, talk. Uh, it is the world of bodies. So the love and beauty has a corporeal side in it. Huh? It's not just only uh, the um, 
spiritual side, but also the corporeal side, no? the, the bodies. <coughs> yes, that's really a, a very deep and very important word in, in Sufism, as you know. Fana, uh, the state of uh, annihilation, of uh, um, sinking into the ocean of uh, God, um, which is all contained in this word. So here you have the fourth, the fourth form, causative. Uh, it's for the knowers, for the knowledgeable people, um, and not just for everyone. It's really for the Sufis who have gone the way and who know. But for these, they have the ecstasies, the rapture uh, of uh, knowledge when they witness Mushahada Tilka Zina, this embellishment, this adornment, Wajhan uh, Wawalan, in, uh, in uh, <coughs> passion and uh, love. <coughs> so, um, Zina, of course, this. Another remark, perhaps, on this word. Uh, you, you have said almost everything about it. Um, very uh, beautiful, uh, ex beautifully explained that this is a word which is mostly used uh, in a negative way, but here by Ibn Arabi it is turned uh, to the positive side, uh, embellishment, decoration, uh, and so on. Um, but uh, it, it curiously reminds me uh, the word cosmos in Greek because cosmos is uh, the universe, but it is also zina, it is decoration, embellishment, and so on. Uh, that's the original meaning of cosmos. I do not really think that uh, Ibn Arabi was aware of this. It's not uh, to be excluded, but anyway, it's a co if he was not aware of this, it's a coincidence, which seems to me important, uh, because it's, uh, mystics is, of course, universal, um, and um, so this um, similarity of concepts, Zina and Cosmos, uh, is quite stri striking. As has been said, uh, this does not come from the Quran, and it is uh, also um, quite noticeable that uh, Jamil does not belong to the hundred beautiful names of Allah in the Quran. It, is, it forms part of most of the lists, as you now know, uh, there are several lists uh, of the hundred names, uh, and if you add them up all, all together, it uh, runs up to something like 150, 160 uh, beautiful names of God, uh, which have been described in uh, this book. I, you might know, I, I'm sure you know it. Jimare, uh, Les Noms Divins en Islam, Exegèse Lexicographique et Théologique. Um, and there you have all the references. It's a very useful work. So Jamil is, does not occur in the Quran, but it occurs in the Hadith. And this is a, a famous Hadith. Inna Allah Jamil yuhibbul Jamal. Both uh, aspects of the root, Jamil and yuhibbul Jamal. If I may add... Uh, the word yuhib, uh, refer to Allah, is very rare in the Quran. And uh, there's one mm, uh, noticeable verse in the Quran where it is said that Allah loves his warriors when they go to jihad. But uh, yuhibbul jamal, this is not especially Quranic. So, but is it, it is Sufi, it, uh, it is uh, truly um, mystical uh, content. Uh, within Islamic civilization. So now let's turn to the main part, the uh, first main part. <clears throat> it has often been said that mystical experience is uh, ineffable, um, that uh, it goes far beyond the words of ordinary human language. Nevertheless, there are whole libraries filled up with descriptions of mystical experience. So that's the first paradox. But, uh, of course, um, the real truth, the truth in itself is, not, is beyond human language, is not expressible in um, human words. Uh, that's um, uh, a topos which occurs very frequently in mystical literature or many cultures uh, of all times uh, of, of humanity. Um, <clears throat> for instance, um, <clears throat> if I can quote... Um, uh, uh, the Dao De Jing by 
uh, Lao Tzu, uh, Chinese, uh, very, very fa famous uh, Chinese text. It begins, it begins with the words, the truth that can be said is not the real truth. No? So the ineffability of mystical experience, the ineffability of the uh, true center of uh, <coughs> the experience of God uh, is, I would say, commonplace. But, of course, we have to communicate this, and the only means we have at our disposal to do so, or the, 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 as one of the essential means of doing so, is the language of love, of human love. Uh, or as the Spaniards have put it, amor humano, amor divino. Uh, the divine love is expressed by the means of the words of human love. So, and the, the, the essential means of uh, the language of love is poetry, of course. So, what I um, propose is to distinguish two modes of communicating the mystical experience, uh, which we can call in Latin modus existentialis uh, and modus discursivus, um, the existential mode and the reflexive mode. Existential mode, language of love, um, poetry and uh, modus discursivus, the reflexive mode, uh, which is in prose and uh, language of uh, philosophy with uh, technical terms of all kinds. Mm, poetry and prose do not necessarily mm, have this distribution. Some mystical authors have a rather mod modus discursivus even when writing poetry. Uh, for instance, if you look at uh, Al-Halaj, um, you frequently have poems which are rather uh, intellectual and not re they are not true love poems, no? Uh, it's uh, really a, um, a kind of versified prose and so um, it uses the language of philosophy, technical terms and so on. <clears throat> so it is not necessarily um, a, a distinction between uh, poetry and prose. Uh, but in Ibn Arabi, of course, it is, in, and especially in this uh, cycle of poems which we are going to discuss here, uh, the Tarjuman al-Ashwaq, we have a clear separation between uh, the poems which uh, treat uh, mystical experience in the language of human love and uh, the uh, commentaries, his own commentaries, uh, which try to give explanations. I will come to that later on. First of all, language of love as a means of expressing uh, human, uh, as, as a means of expressing uh, divine love by uh, human love, by the words of human love. This is an um, ongoing theme uh, in world literature. I have begun with uh, Goethe, um, who in the last lines of his uh, second Faust um, has these uh, very famous lines, uh, alles vergängliche ist nur ein Gleichnis, das Unzulängliche hier wird Ereignis, das Unbeschreibliche hier ist getan, das ewig Weibliche zieht uns hinan. Eternal Womanhood draws us on high. I found this translation into English somewhere in the Internet. Uh, so das ewig Weibliche uh, as a principle, the principle of, well, in this case, uh, female beauty, uh, das Weibliche, uh, which draws us on high. You know? It is... Uh, a simile for uh, a more um, uh, transcendent beauty for the beauty of God. <clears throat> for Goethe, well, Goethe had quite a number of women in his life, uh, and so uh, the most famous one which belongs into this context was Marianne von Willema, which was his partner when he wrote his uh, last um, poetic uh, cycle of poems, the West Eastern Divan, uh, inspired by Hafiz, the Persian poet Hafiz, which is also one of the poets to be quoted here, of course. And uh, Marianne Willemer is uh, also, a, uh, as few people know, but uh, she was also a poet. No? She was not just um, a source of inspiration for Goethe, but she has also written uh, several uh, uh, poems which belong to the most beautiful in, German, in the German language. And uh, so she was um, on an equal footing with him. It's a little bit like Nizam, you know. It's, it's not just 
the man is superior being and the woman is something was so, source of inspiration because she is beautiful but nothing else. No, uh, she was really a, a partner and a poet uh, of her own right. That's just uh, <coughs> a little um, parenthesis. What is really famous, of course, is uh, Dante's Beatrice, uh, and the last verses were with last year, we had begun with first lines and now we uh, go on with last verses. So the last verse of the Commedia uh, the, uh, of Dante, the, this famous line, L'amor che muove il sole e le altre stelle, uh, love which moves the sun and the other stars. <coughs> I will come back to Dante later on. Uh, very famous is also uh, Petrarch, uh, Francesco Petrarca, um, whose source of inspiration was a, a woman called Laura. Um, if she was a real woman or not, this is a question of debate. Laura also means laurel, no? uh, and uh, it also means the air, and there frequently there are puns, plays of words with this uh, double sense. And one colleague of mine in, in Germany here, he pretended that Laura is not a, a real woman, but it means Laura la verita, the truth, as a general principle. Be this as it may, uh, Petrarch has in introduced this theme, uh, this topic, uh, as uh, well in, in European literature. No? The Petrarchism is well known all over Europe. Um, in, uh, in Spain, in, in France, and uh, of course in, in England, as you know. So uh, he is really one of the key figures of this idea uh, that uh, human love reflects uh, divine love, mystical love, mystical experience. Uh, if you permit, I would like to quote this uh, part uh, of uh, one of the sonnets of his canzoniere. You have the uh, English translation below. <clears throat> per divina bellezza, in darno miro chi gli occhi dei costei giamai non vide, come soavemente ella, ella di gira. Non sa come amor sana e come ancide, chi non sa come dolce ella sospira e come dolce parla e dolce ride. I don't know if you have noticed there is an intertextual uh, relationship with uh, antique literature in the last verse. Uh, uh, if you have a classical education, you have this verse by Horace, uh, uh, you know it by heart. Dulce ridentem lalagen amabo dulce ridentem. Lalage, which loves, uh, which loves and speaks dulce, uh, dolcemente, suavemente, sweet, in a sweet manner. So, <coughs> I just wanted to um, insist on, the, on an element on which we will come back soon, intertextuality, quoting from other literary sources, using them. That's a uh, highly um, important concept in this whole context. Yes, and then of course, uh, Rumi, the Persian literature in, in general, um, uh, you have um, the translation of Nicholson here. Uh, I <clears throat> chose just a few verses from one of the uh, poems of his uh, Divan, <clears throat> not of the Masnavi, of the Divan. Jana Jamal Leruh Basi Hubo Bafarrest Likan Jamal Ohos Neto Chod Chizedigarest E on Kesal Ha Sefat Teruh Mikoni Ben mai yek sefat ke bezatesh barabarast. Dar dide mi farayad nure as khayale u. Ba in hameke pish ob vesalesh mokkadarras. Mandam dehan baz zatazim an jamal. Har lahze bar zaban del Allah Akbar Ast. So, what is interesting here are, of course, the uh, it's uh, of course uh, Persian literary language, which contains so many uh, loans from Arabic, and you have the words 
Jamal here again. You have Hosn, which is the other route which, uh, which we have seen uh, for expressing uh, the um, <coughs> concept of, of beauty. And um, you also have um, uh, opposition between khayal, which is also an Arabic word, you, you understand, it's imagination, you know, uh, not real presence, but dreaming about the beloved. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, here you have, well, it is quite good if you have uh, imagination, if you can dream about your beloved, but it's not to be compared with the true union with him. Saul. And only then you have true beauty. Ta'zim uh, an Jamal, the uh, glorification or veneration uh, of this beauty. And then uh, in, uh, in view of this beauty, and it, it is a real beauty, no? It is Jamale Tohod, the beauty of you yourself in person, no? not just in imagination, but in person, uh, this makes you exclaim, Allahu Akbar. So Rumi is another chapter, of course, uh, which is very important. And, uh, well, this is uh, one poem of the numerous poems devoted to Nizam in uh, Ibn Arabi's Tarjuman um, al-Ashwaq. Uh, I just uh, added it here as an example, and perhaps also because I like it very much. <laughs> Uh, it's not the complete text; is only a part of the text. Uh, so um, here he sings his uh, beloved. Talal um, Badru fi the wasakal warda narjisul hawar. Ghadatun tahadal hisani biha, wazha nuruha ala al-qamar. هي أسنى من المهات من المهات سنن سورة لا تقاس بالصور فلك النور دون أخمسها تاجها خارج عن الأكر. The heaven is light under the sole of a foot. Her diadem is beyond the spheres. So. Love towards a woman is transcended into the love of God. The expressions of human love serve <coughs> or help to express the relationship of the mystic with God. <coughs> when did we begin? It was plenty, of plenty of time. Okay, so. 20 minutes. Yes. <coughs> I come to another point. The, I come back to the problem of ineffability and um, of expressing um, mystical love in terms of human love, of love towards a, a woman or a human uh, being, of the beauty of a, a human being. In some cases, just a few, and that's remarkable, um, the poets gave comments of their own work. So they didn't leave the mystical interpretation of what at first sight looks like just a trivial love poem. They didn't leave this mystical interpretation to their readers or hearers, but gave it themselves. As far as I know, might be that I have overlooked some examples, there are three famous cases of this kind. Uh, one is Dante, once more. The other one is Ibn Arabi. And the third one is uh, St. John of the Cross, San Juan de la Cruz in Spain. Uh, I do not claim that there is a historical relationship between the three. Uh, I simply mm, would like to um, stress, to underline the structural similarity between these through three cases, also the differences, of course. But anyway, in all these cases, um, love poetry is uh, commented upon by the author himself, not by someone else, and it is uh, given its true, namely mystical, meaning by the author himself. 
Of course, in the um, Occidental trans, uh, tradition, which includes the Jewish tradition and Ju Judaism and, uh, and Christianity uh, alike, uh, there's a model for that, which is the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs, which is a collection, historically speaking, of love poems, um, <clears throat> and which in, in the beginning was nothing else but love poems, but they have interpreted from the very beginning as um, symbolic uh, poems which speak about the love of the individual towards God, and also, very important in, in the Jewish tradition, um, the love of the elected people towards its God, hmm? and the uh, longing of the people of Israel for re redemption uh, by, uh, by God. <clears throat> and this text, of course, has served as intertext in an infinity of uh, uh, cases. Um, it was uh, extremely important in uh, Christian mysticism of the Middle Ages, uh, or even earlier already. Uh, it, it begins with Origen, the Church Father Origen, um, and then in, in the Middle Ages, of course, there's uh, plenty of texts of this kind. Um, I have studied rather in detail um, the um, <clears throat> model of the Song of Songs as an intertext in Hebrew poetry of the Middle Ages, of the Golden Ages in, in Spain, uh, when poets like uh, Shlomo ibn Gabirol, Moshe ibn Ezra, uh, or Yehuda Halevi used freely the imagery, the metaphorical um, uh, world of the Song of Songs in their love poetry. Not always for mystical purposes, it's sometimes simply a means for expressing uh, secular uh, worldly love. But it's an, uh, a text which is uh, everywhere present. And this is a model for interpreting, um, uh, uh, well, love, the language of human love, as uh, an image of uh, divine love. <clears throat> so uh, I come back to this uh, poetry, uh, which has been co commented upon by the authors themselves. Um, in uh, the Convivio, Dante gives extensive uh, commentaries of a very broad philosophical nature, long commentaries on his own uh, canzoni, mm, uh, where he speaks about almost everything. Um, as we say in German, Gott und die Welt, uh, God and the world. So <laughs> um, he, uh, I, I chose one passage just here. I, I don't uh, read the um, Italian text here of the, of the poem. Uh, uh, simply, I want to um, underline this point. Um, <clears throat> la mia anima, cioè lo mio affetto, arde di potere ciò con la lingua narrare. My soul burns. Uh, it wants to express all this with its, with its language, with its tongue. Uh, lingua means both things, no? So uh, the, the poet wants to express his feelings. No? E perché dire non posso, I cannot tell it, I cannot say it. Dico che l'anima se ne lamenta dicendo lassa che io non so possente. Uh, I lament, I, I'm unable to do it, I'm, I cannot do it, I cannot express this. E questa è l'altra ineffabilità. This is, he, he uses the word of ineffability, which is also in our modern Latin, which is English. <laughs> and uh, he says, cioè la lingua non è di quello che l'intelletto vede completamente seguace. Language cannot really or completely follow uh, what is in the mind. So he, mm, in his own commentaries, he uh, set this uh, theme, this topic of the ineffability of, of, of an experience which goes beyond words. I quoted here a, a, a rather large part of San uh, Juan de la Cruz, uh, St. John of the Cross, uh, which has given also this um, uh, commentaries in prose to his Cantico Espiritual. Uh, just let me add, as a Hispanicist, which I am professionally, uh, let me say that um, I personally think, I'm not the only one who says it, but I really I, I think that uh, San Juan de la Cruz is the most sublime poet in Spanish language of all times. No? 
his uh, Cantico Espirituale is so full of music musicality. Um, it's really the top of uh, Spanish uh, poetical language. It's really true love lyrics. There's nothing in the poems themselves uh, which would show that it is not human love which is meant uh, it, or intended. Uh, it's pure love lyric, widely inspired by the Song of Songs. Widely, not exclusively, but widely inspired. No? Uh, for instance, here, Entrado sea la esposa en el ameno huerto deseado, y a su sabor reposa el cuello reclinado sobre los dulces brazos del amado. Here we have another topic, frequent, and which also is central in the work of uh, Ibn Arabi, el ameno huerto, no? the garden the garden of delight, the garden of, of love. <clears throat> and uh, of course this is, sounds like the Song of song, Songs, it sounds like ordinary love lyric, uh, and in the commentary, which is a very extended and uh, elaborate uh, commentary of his uh, in, in the prose of uh, philosophy of his time, of the 16th century, um, <clears throat> he makes the comparison of human love and um, divine love in a very explicit way. Yeah? Um, for instance, here he said, Consumado este matrimonio espiritual entre Dios y el alma son dos naturalezas en un espíritu y amor. Um, el que se junta al Señor, un espíritu se hace con él. In the New Testament, in the letter uh, of Paul to the Corinthians, um, we have this comparison. The one who is uh, one, who, who joins, who, who, uni who, who unites himself uh, with God, uh, becomes one spirit with him. And this, of course, quotes uh, the uh, famous verse on carnal love, of uh, sexual love, sexual union, um, <clears throat> that uh, man, and, um, uh, man and woman become one flesh. So <clears throat> here this uh, comparison is made very directly of human, of carnal love, of uh, sexual union uh, between man and wife with the union of uh, the human soul with God. So if you have time and uh, want to do so, you can study this text must uh, more, uh, more in detail. <coughs> So you see, uh, uh, to repeat, uh, or to, to, to uh, resume, <coughs> uh, we have, um, on the one hand, mm, an all-pervading topic, very frequent topic in world literature. Um, love uh, towards a woman is transcended into the love of God. The language of, uh, human, uh, divine, uh, of human love serves as a means of expression of divine love. Rarely we have two kinds of discourse, namely the poetical discourse on the one hand, and on the other hand, a uh, commentary made by the poet himself where he uh, explains what he means in prose, in plain prose. So one of these examples, as I uh, have said in, in the beginning, is of course the, the famous Tarjuman al-Ashwaq, which we, we can interpret the title, it's one of the various interpretations of the title, uh, Translation of the Desires, um, <clears throat> which can be interpreted like, uh, well, the commentary. I, I comment the uh, desires, loving desires, translated into the language of philosophy. It's one of the possible interpretations of the title. <clears throat> Tarjuman or Turjuman, Tarjuman is a majoritarian vocalization. By the way, this is perhaps uh, just sideways. Don't, don't want to insist too much on it. But one of the rather trivial uh, difficulties uh, the translator encounters when uh, dealing with uh, these texts uh, is that in Arabic you can form a plural on practically every word. You know, there's no exception to this. Whereas in our uh, Indo-European languages, there are limits to it. In English, you can say ashwaq, desires, no problem. But in, in German, there is no plural. Das Verlangen, 
it's not possible to form a plural of it. An example in the other direction would be one word which appears very, very frequently in the commentaries, which is ma'arifa, which is a plural of ma'arifa, knowledge. So in German we can say erkenntnis, singular, erkenntnisse, plural. But in German, uh, in, in English, knowledge, knowledges, no, doesn't work. So such trivial things, <laughs> but hard to resolve, you, you find them at every place. So uh, being this, uh, this having been said, I just uh, wanted to come to this uh, poem with its uh, commentary, which I would like to um, uh, look to, to, to analyze with you a little bit more in, in detail. It's uh, the poem number 58, perhaps not one of the uh, most well-known, but it is very beautiful. It's one of the last uh, poems in the cycle. And uh, it has uh, some of the most typical imagery, metaphorical expressions uh, of the Tarjumar. I would like to, to read it uh, first. You have the translation of uh, uh, Nicholson below, so you can follow it on, on the handout. تعاليت من بدر على القطب طالع وليس له بعد طلوع أفول فديتك يا من عز حسنا ودخوة فليس له بين الحسان عديل فرودك متلول ووردك يانع وحسنك معجوك عليه أبولو وزهرك بسام وغصنك ناعم تميل يهل الألواح حيث يميل وذرفك فتان والطرفك صارم به فارس به فارس البلوى علي يسول So it's one of these wonderful poems. Uh, what is really fascinating about Ibn Arabi, he's not just a great philosophical or mystical thinker, he's also a great poet. He's a real master, a real, real master of the Arabic language, as few others are. You can delve into his poems and every time you repeat the experience, you find new subtleties and uh, interesting uh, features. So I have quoted here the uh, translation by Randall Nicholson, which is quite good, if I dare to say. <laughs> it is uh, still, after more than 100 years, uh, a master work. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately, or perhaps because he didn't like to, he didn't translate really the, the commentaries. No? He, he just gave a short uh, summary of the commentaries, but he did not really translate them word by word. This was also done, this challenge was taken up only by, by Gloton, Maurice Gloton, and now I have taken up the challenge again. Uh, you can uh, criticize me if you want. Of course, it's really a very difficult undertaking. I find it much more difficult to translate the prose than the poetry. One can say that prose isn't worthwhile. Mm -hmm. That's, some people say so. Uh, but I think everything of Ibn Arabi is worthwhile. So <clears throat> I 
do not read the comment commentary, you can um, uh, perhaps we have uh, the opportunity to, to read it uh, this afternoon. Uh, I, I made my gave my translation into uh, into English, uh, which is, as I told you at the beginning, pr probably rather awkward. Um, I just wanted to to say one thing in general on the commentaries. The commentaries, it must be said, it is like this, um, are frequently rather mechanical. They simply gloss or comment on, on the poem word by word. And he doesn't leave out anything, or perhaps I should say, he doesn't leave out almost nothing. Sometimes he leaves out some verses. And this is also meaningful, because sometimes one has the impression he doesn't want to insist on it. He, he wants to keep a mystery on certain things. No? Uh, sometimes when he speaks about his personal life, when he speaks about uh, his age or things like this, he, he doesn't go into details. And sometimes also when he speaks about Nizam, he, he conceals rather than he explains. So sometimes he leaves or he doesn't really comment in detail on, on the word. Or for instance, in these famous uh, verses, which everybody knows, Adinu bidin al hubbi I confess the religion of love, and wherever his uh, camels go, I, I follow them, and uh, lo love is my religion. He doesn't really comment these verses. So uh, perhaps it's, it's too daring, too bold, too far away from Islamic orthodoxy, what he says about uh, the equal birth of all the religions of, of uh, Judaism, of Christianism, and even of pagan, uh, the, the pagan religions of, of uh, um, antiquity. So um, that's really very bold and very daring. And so in the commentaries, he leaves, it, he leaves it out. He doesn't tell much about it. But for the rest, in general, he's meticulous. He comments on almost every word. Sometimes it's linguistic commentaries, sometimes it's uh, commentaries on the content. Uh, and uh, it's, sometimes it's really, I, I must say it, uh, excuse me, uh, painstaking and uh, too, uh, a little bit of pedantic. So. And you have um, a, a typical example in this last part uh, where, where you have these wonderful verses. No, uh, I, I repeat it here. No, it was a long time ago. Um, this uh, yes, rauduka matlul wa warduka yania wa husnuka ma'ashuk wa zahruka bassam wa husnuka naim. So this enumeration, well, he comments every word and every uh, expression finds its explanation. Um, the garden means the whole of his creation. The dew refers to the noble qualities spreading when the divine abilities rise over it. The mature rose is a particular manifestation where all blamable qualities are destroyed. The love beauty refers to the close relationship which exists between you and him. Uh, thy flower is sm smiling refers to the reception of knowledge in the heart. Thy boughs are delightful because they carry knowledge to thee. Uh, all this we could do without it. I, I mean, <laughs> it, wouldn't, uh, it doesn't add nothing to the comprehension of the beauty of the verses, and we feel them um, without such a commentary. Sometimes it is, it's quite nice. So, for, for instance, here, wherever they bend, the winds bend towards him. Uh, knowledge is bound with, is with him, and the shadow is bound to the man. Whenever he stands still, uh, it stands still, and wherever he moves, it moves. That's nice, and that adds something uh, which doesn't exist in the, uh, in the original uh, curse. So I must say, uh, after my experience with the whole text, uh, there are passages of real beauty in the commentaries as well, not only in poetry, but also in the commentaries, uh, and of real uh, grandeur and, and uh, lofty uh, passages. But there are also many times passages which are rather dry, and uh, you think, well, was it necessary? Perhaps it was. Anyway. Uh, you have to keep it seriously and to study it and not just leave it out. That's too easy. You, 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 know, you see what I mean. No? Okay. Um, still uh, five minutes, if you uh, five minutes, if you uh, permit me, uh, I, I would simply <coughs> use this. Um, well, 
perhaps I have not the time, perhaps uh, this afternoon in the, um, uh, in the uh, seminar, I will speak about intertextuality and the relationship of uh, Ibn Arabi's poems uh, to the pre-Islamic poetry, uh, the, the, uh, the poetry of the Jahiliya, no? uh, because uh, he refers not to the poems, uh, poets of the classical uh, age of the Abbasids, uh, of the caliphal age uh, of the 9th or 10th century, uh, he refers to the pre-Islamic poetry of the Bedouins of the desert. You know, and that's a highly interesting topic um, when we in, uh, apply this concept of intertextuality. We have seen the Song of Songs, and we, uh, we see here in Ibn Arabi this relation to the uh, pre-Islamic poetry. Um, you can see it in this poem as well. Uh, we can perhaps comment on it uh, a little bit more in detail this afternoon. <clears throat> Uh, I, I think we have uh, two main and one secondary metaphorical field in this poem. Uh, the first one is the desert journey, and the second one is the second main field is the garden. And in between, there's the moon um, as a symbol of fullness, of completeness, kamal, which is also a, a key word in in, uh, in Arabi, you know, the, uh, the complete, the perfect man, the kamal. And, uh, Badr, and this is a point which is underlined in the commentary, which we would perhaps not think about when you just read the poem as a love poem. Badr is very frequently used as uh, an expression for the beloved. No, it's, it's uh, uh, female beauty is frequently compared to the full moon. No? Uh, but here, uh, the, the commentary insists on the fact that it is Badr, and not Khamar, the ordinary word for moon, uh, nor Hilal, but Badr, which is the full moon. And so it's an, a symbol of perfection, of completeness, of Kamal. And there, the commentary, I could give you the reference in, in detail, the commentary really, really adds something to the understanding of the text. <coughs> well, this is uh, in the central verse of the poem, um, like an interruption between the journey, uh, which stands for longing for the desire of the soul, in uh, looking for God, and uh, which uh, goes through the desert uh, desperately in uh, looking for, for the beloved, for, for the God, and uh, the, the second part, main part, which is the fulfillment, the garden, you know, the garden of delight, as we have seen in, in the poem of San Juan de la Cruz. The garden is uh, this contrast between desert on the one hand, uh, the, the seeker, the soul who is looking for God uh, on the one hand, and the fulfillment, the union, uh, which is finally reached, the garden. This is uh, all-pervading in, in the Tatsuma, this contrast. So um, if we compare poetry and pose, uh, prose, if we compare the, uh, the, um, uh, the birds, it is very clear. For instance here, Sabil, Dalil, Athar, the traces in the sand, uh, this, these are the words um, uh, of the poem, and in the, uh, if we had time, I would show you in, in the text. It is interesting here, the word sabil, which is a word of the ordinary language, which means simply the way. Tariq, uh, of course, it also means the way, but it's a Sufi term also. It is the way of the Sufi, and the different uh, Sufi sects are called sometimes a turuk, plural of tariq. So, also, in the, in the choice of the word, in the prose, and in the commentary, you see a certain difference. And then, of course, Haima, uh, the tent, Zil uh, al-Arak, uh, this tree which is typical of the Arabic uh, peninsula, um, <coughs> uh, the shadow, uh, this is explained by al-Atf al-Ilahi, uh, the love of the kindness uh, of, of God, <coughs> divine kindness. <coughs> or, for instance, these typically Arabic, desert, Bedouin words, Muarras, uh, and I think it's Muarris, no, Muarris, I'm not sure, Muarras or Muarris, and Maqil. Uh, Muarras, which means, uh, I've looked it up in, in Lane's dictionary, it is when you have uh, uh, traveled uh, all night long, and the morning is approaching, you look for a place to take a rest before the day, uh, before the morning comes, and this is Muarras. <laughs> So it's, uh, the Arabic vocabulary, as you know, is full of these precise, extremely precise notions. Nakil is uh, a resting place in general. Well, and this is uh, explained by the 
purely philosophical, theological, religious terms, taqdis, sanctification, and tathir, purification. And so we could go on uh, with the second part, with the garden, uh, which I have already uh, shortly explained. Uh, I do not have time. I just want to finish with the last verse. I think, well, well uh, there's one, there, uh, one uh, allusion, well, the second to last remark, uh, one uh, direct uh, use of, of the language of, of Sufism, uh, lisan al-hal, which appears in the, in the text al-hal, is of course, we have seen it in, your, in, in Jane's contribution, uh, a very typical word of uh, Sufi experience. So here he, said, he uses one, in the, in the whole book, once, uh, a word of, of Sufism. <clears throat> so, but the last remark, um, I don't know if you agree with me. Uh, if, we, if we have a look at the last verse, Bihi farisul balwa alayya yasul. Farisul balwa. The um, night, night, K N, uh, of um, of love, um, of the sorrow of love, of pain, love pain, uh, which is uh, attacking me. So that's strange. Why, why a, a night? Uh, it's not very frequent, in, in, as far as I know, in, in uh, pre-Islamic uh, poetry to compare love sorrow with the night. But Faris also means person, doesn't it? <laughs> Faris. No? So I think that this love pain, uh, there's a veiled allusion to Nizam, who is a Persian woman. I think so. You can disagree with me, but I think it's a real uh, allusion to it. And, of course, he doesn't speak about this in his commentary. Thank you very much.